Welcome to the third episode of the Be Hot Yoga podcast. This is Suzanne, and I'm here. I'm so excited. I get to interview Jason and Christina. Um, I've been waiting a long time to do this, believe me. Jason and Christina, as you know, are the founders of the studio. They're our mentors. Um, They've been in it since the very beginning, the first Bikram studio in Atlanta. And I just want to take a couple minutes, circle back with them, get their sort of, for many of you that don't know them as well, their stories, why they got, how they met, why they got into this, why they wanted to do it anyway, and sort of their journey and their um, evolution in the process. So, Jason, why don't you, if you would, start and give me kind of your backstory. How did, why did you decide to go to training? Uh, so... There was a gentleman in Atlanta before named Stephen Hendricks. And at the time, I've told this story before, but I used to be a big runner. And I was also working at the Emory Sports Medicine Clinic as a physical therapy aide. And I had gone running on the beach, and I got shin splints, tendonitis really badly. And I came back from that trip telling the therapist I work with, I'm like, look, I can't, this is just killing me to run. And I did everything they told me to do, the right stretches, the ice, and it would feel better, and I'd go running again, and it just kept coming back. And finally, in my mind, I just said, you know, this is it. i got to find something new. And I kept seeing this little studio, and all it was called was an Atlanta yoga studio, down on Amsterdam at the time. And I went, and you had to get a pam- There was a little pamphlet out the door, but there were very specific instructions. For your first time, you had to call and make an appointment. You could only wear black. You could only bring white towels. There were, it was very structured. And I happened to call, and it was around quarter to four, and I think his class was starting at 4.30, let's say. And the gentleman, Stephen, he called me right back, and he said, you want to come? You can come right now. And I said, but I don't have any black clothes. I don't even know if I have a white towel. And he's like, no, 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 that's okay. Don't worry about it. And just come, come to the class. And I took it, and I thought, whoa, this is awesome. I mean, I wouldn't even need to run anymore. And then as I kept taking it, I thought, man, this would be cool to teach. Because years ago when I was in college, there was a, a gym, a studio called The Firm. And there were some pretty big videos. Cindy Crawford was on one. Janet Jones Gretzky was on one. They'd filmed these. It was aerobics, but with weights, serious weights, up to 20 pounds, barbells. And I started teaching for them. So I kind of had that in my wheelhouse back then. So fast forward a little bit. Um, I was also doing sports marketing events from a gig from the Olympics. And so it took me away for a bit and I would come back and I would try to do the yoga again. And then one day I walked in and he said, I need you to see what, read this letter before class. And it was this letter saying they were closing. I'm like, what, what do you mean you're closing? I'm like, I'm just really getting into this now. Like, I'm okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, and I said to him, where, well, I'm going back out on the road um, it was with Gatorade at the time. And I said, well, what do I do? What, what is, what do I ask for? I want to keep practicing. And I thought it was odd at the time when he, looking back one way on it, that he just said, just do Hatha yoga, but don't do any headstands. You're not ready for that. Just Hatha yoga. And his wife at the time was behind him and said, well, wait, no, no, you just, and he's like, no, no, no. And later I thought, okay, well, all right. So I'm going around um, my travels and I'm calling up. This is when the Yellow Pages still existed. And I was in Houston. And it helped me in Salt Lake City. I went, I just tried different yogas. I went to an Ashtanga class in this woman's house. I went to her class at the Y, anything and everything. 
And I got to Houston and I called, there were like four little yoga lines and I called and this guy answered, Mike Winter. And and, um, I said, you know, I'm really interested in finding this yoga again. It was hot. And for some reason, I think it was 26 postures, two breathing exercises. And he said, yeah, that's Bikram yoga. What? No, it's Bikram yoga. He just said, come on, come on, come on. And I said, okay. And so he tells the story too. I'm coming down the road off the highway. It's a big corporate, like an office building where his studio is and it's all glass. And I pull up in this neon Gatorade Hummer. And <laughs> he's thinking, who is this guy? And so I come in and he starts the class and I knew, oh, this is it. This is what I was doing. And so after the class, he said to me, he explained it all. He said, yeah, this is Bikram. You know, Bikram's a guy in L.A. It's kind of been around for a bit. And it's growing. And um, so I kept going as much as I could. And then uh, when I was on my tours, when I got to Los Angeles, I went, I thought, I'm going to go take a class. I'm going to go. I'm going to find the studio. I got up really early and drove in. And it was Bikram teaching. And I remember him asking, who's new in the class? And I thought, Mm, I'm not going to raise my hand. <laughs> I don't want to be singled out right now. I'm like, I'm okay. There are a lot of people in the room. <laughs> and I loved it. It was great. And then it was, um, as I was traveling and getting on the road, it's, it's a long, you know, you're a week at a time in a new city and you, you're close with all the people you're working with. And we talked about what would you do if you didn't do this anymore, didn't want to be on the road. And I thought, and I said, I think I would open up a yoga studio because this guy left that moved to Florida. People still want it. I want it. I know there's a training now in L.A. I could go to. And my manager at the time just turned to me and said, you should do it. I can see it. You, I think you should totally do it. So it was just sort of this, the seed had been planted. And then I kind of wavered on it. And it was, oh, it was $4,000 at the time. But I had come off the road. And I had a good chunk of money. And of course, every time I came off the road, my parents would always be like, what are you going to do now, son? Hmm? What are you going to do now? And I either would get another gig, so they, that would make him happy, but I had presented that I was going to this yoga training, and they were just oh, beside themselves. I mean, it was just, just well, and how much is it? $4,000. What? No, well, it's your money, son, and da 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 da, and the ranting, ranting. And so I even talked to another uh, studio owner at the time, and she was really encouraged. She's like, he likes guys. You should go. You should go. And that was it. I missed my one of my high school reunions. I got in the car and drove all the way out to L.A. But I went for the intention of owning my own business, going to that, and really getting something out of it um, that would be beneficial you know, long-term wise. I love the yoga, but there was a, I had another purpose going too. And that's where you two met? Yeah. Yep. So how did you get there, Christina? By, my forerunner. <laughs> <laughs> the but, same one? Yes, the same one. What happened for me, I don't, I remember, well, Stephen closed the studio. Jason and I didn't, did not meet, did not take class in this studio here in Atlanta together, I don't think. Oh, if we did, we didn't know each other. I think, yeah, I think we put the timeline together that you had already moved to Colorado. Well, no, because I was here after he closed. Oh, well, so, maybe we were. Yeah, maybe we were. Um, anyway, so I, I, I was, I used to be an independent filmmaker. I did a film or two, and then I got 
depressed, and then I'm just long story short, right? And then I somebody took me to yoga here in Atlanta. I have a friend of mine who had been in the film with me, and she was going to have um, exploratory surgery because she was actually having such panic attacks that it was, you know, she couldn't breathe very well. Her stomach hurt, and what, how we remember is that she went to yoga because somebody else told her about this yoga. Actually, she was working in Highland Pet Supply and uh, the owners had, were going to the yoga, uh, Ion and Holly, but back then. And so what happened is that my friend took me to, to that yoga. And then after he closed, I was like, well, that was the only thing I like to do as far as exercise because I'm not a lover of exercise just to, for exercise. I was, uh, but this was the only thing that it was really very nice for me to do. It. I, I, after the yoga class and during the yoga class, I, I loved it. And so when Stephen closed, actually I moved to Colorado with my partner back then and I went into a studio eventually that it was a Bikram yoga studio and when I went in to take the class the owner was super nice but she was not as disciplined as Steven was so and I love the structure the discipline of the practice for me I always connected with the discipline practice you know and I come from a martial uh, art uh, background so that's sort of the same thing and when I went to you know and so I went into this class I didn't like how she was teaching I was like I'm going to go be a teacher, <laughs> which I think is completely arrogant of me. And then I thought, well, I don't have nothing to do. I might as well open a studio. But, you know, everything after Jason and I met, everything to, from my perspective just took us to the studio and to be business. I mean, it was the easiest thing, I thought. Yeah, it fell in place. I mean, the first night when you're going around the room and introducing yourselves, and I'm from Atlanta, and Christina, I'm from Atlanta too, in a way, but now I live in Colorado. And she came up to me immediately afterwards and said, "Wait, where did you go?" How <laughs> many people were in the, your training? Sixty-three. And what year was that? Ninety-nine. Okay, and then you came back. You found the magical place on Treasure Bridge Road that mm-hmm. just happened. All, right. all came together super fast. And you opened in the 90, end of 99, beginning of no, 2000? March of 2000. March 1st, 2000 okay. was our first day of class. Wow. How many students did you have in your first class? Zero. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The first class, Jason and I took class. Because it was just, we did it together. And it actually was perfect. Yeah. It was a perfect way to kind of start the day. We hadn't been able to practice ourselves. So it was just a nice way to kind of set the intention and move forward with it. And... It grew, I started in 2000, and just similar stories of like needing something. I had been taking a million different yoga classes because I knew as a younger person then that I needed to integrate the yoga into my fitness because I was a runner and a weightlifter and walking around sore and in pain. And women that I saw that were older at the time, probably like my age now, um, that were graceful and fluid and elegant, you know, what do you do? What do you do? I do yoga. And I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. Um, And I just didn't relate to the real meditative stuff. I didn't relate to the chanting. 
my first class was a Friday night and Jason was my teacher and that was it. I mean, like I was there Sunday, I was there Monday and it was, it just was an instant connection. So how was building a business? Well, it was really easy yeah, in the beginning. I mean, we really got spoiled. I mean, here we were the only thing in town and it was just, we both knew it was coming, you know, it was going to be something that could be big, popular. I mean, we loved it so much. Um, yeah, I mean, we just, we started with as many classes as we thought we could handle. And well, then <laughs> I'm going to, I, this is what I remember first. Yeah. Our first class was zero, but the second class we had already six people. I think, I don't know if, if this is correct. That sounds right. But, um, and we never had less than six people after that. The business grew by itself. It went like, and at the beginning, because Jason and I were the only one teaching, we had Sundays off. I mean, <laughs> we had a very relaxed schedule. But since people didn't know any any other thing, the demands of our students were zero, because they were coming to learn something completely new, which is like I we talked before, very different now. But when we first started, the people that were a little bit more uh, resistance to our practice were actually other yoga teachers that came to sort of try us out, but they felt, wait a minute, because we became very popular immediately after we opened. We didn't even advertise that we were opening. We didn't. Well, now we were presenting what it was, too. I mean, we opened, the official name was a Yoga College of India, Atlanta, but it was Bikram Yoga. Like, this had been there in a way already, but we were the ones that's like, no, this is what it is. Now we're using this brand, and we're going to promote this business, and we move forward with it. And other people started wanting to go to training, too. Well, yeah, what year, what year did Kathy go to training? I mean, you, you added teachers who... I, I, mean, I don't know who... I think it was Kathleen was first, or Katie, Kathleen, Kathy. Katie, Katie and Cooper... Mm. Oh, that's okay. So no then, Cooper after. Okay. Yeah. So it all gets mixed up. But it, like, Katie and we had just Katie and Cooper for a bit, the four of us for a while. Kathleen, Eric, I think they went in the same group. No, it's I hard don't to think. Re- I think that we already. Well, I mean, we don't remember very well. But what happened is that people love the practice and so then you had to add more teach you had to add teachers yeah and plus they were going to training and they were coming back and debbie kelly yeah yeah we were retraining them a little bit oh yeah yeah debbie kelly that opened i remember uh, decatur decatur hot yoga and what was i do remember this for a business aspect so once people started going you also wanted to give them classes and we th- now we're just like, okay, well, we don't have to teach. We want to give them classes. We're not teaching as much. And it was finding that balance of how present should we be? Should, we, should, should they be practicing more and more and more because they're going to be a better teacher? Or it was just we started feeding the wheel of the training and growing and growing, really. Yeah, and not too much because the other thing is that we found that when teachers were coming back, we have to sort of retrain them a little bit, which we started doing so people would, um, because uh, the the dialogue is very, (laughs) Jason is laughing. 
What are you laughing? Well, I'm thinking about the trainings definitely, and if people know about the Bikram trainings, I mean, they've been going on for years, but the quality of yeah. the training, you could tell, was changing. Was I mean, people that came back in the early days, they had time to nurture with the dialogue. and But, I mean, there are two teachers now that I remember having their first class. This, we were at our newer location where we are now, where Be Hot Yoga is, and I took them out to breakfast, and they were all so eager, and I had to tell them, I mean, that was awful. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I remember a couple of those teachers, too. I also <laughs> remember myself, and I was pretty bad. It's but, devastating. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, and it's really, it's no, like, no. it's like, look, we know the reality. You go to this training, you never teach a full class. You're just spitting out this dialogue in front of people, and hopefully you get some good advice, depending on what group you're in. Um, but, yeah, you had to, it takes practice. Yeah. I mean, any job. You come out of school, and you don't, you think you know everything, but. You don't. <laughs> Welcome right. to life. Plus the training, you know, we had a, you know, we already, we had a base of who we were, an identity, very early on. I mean, it was yin and yang. Jason and I were very opposite, and but we were balanced. So as people came out of training, and they came back, and by that time, Bikram was becoming very popular because this, the year after us. I talked to Katie. Katie went in 2001. So did Eric. Okay. And they were the first ones to go. Because at 2000, we almost did it by ourselves, I think. Then Katie went because she was doing a hot yoga, a Bikram yoga in Houston. So that's why she, she was the first ones to go. Katie. She had a practice. Right, 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 so, right. Yeah. But in Katie's training, already was like, already had 200 people. Something like that. I remember at the end of our training, one of the last days with Bikram, and he said, what should I do to change this, make it better? We said, don't. <laughs> this was too big. We thought it was too big. 63 people. Yeah. Yeah. He obviously didn't take your advice. Mm -mm. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so you two then, from the how you were trained, you've got a very different reality and a view of Bikram in that training than we've heard about subsequently. Is that safe to say? Absolutely. I mean, I, it's pretty upsetting, disturbing what we've, we've found out that has gone on over the years, especially in the, these latter years. Um, yeah. But Bikram, Bikram, what we knew that he was very moody because I remember that Bikram was actually really present in our training. But the training before us, he was almost never, never there. And he was in a really badass mood because his brother had died. Bikram, like many people, don't deal, doesn't deal with sadness. It turns into anger. So any grief that he had, he becomes angry. It's like, you know, you can look it up in the Freud's book, I guess. <laughs> but it's true. And Bikram is a guy, uh, but I, I, I can't talk too much about him because I don't know him that well, but my perception of him back then was that he, first of all, he was angry. He was angry because... Well, it was also, we had, I think it was really beneficial for us, our training. We were mixed in with the regular people. We were mixed, the studio was right in Beverly Hills, Wilshire and Robertson, above this Italian furniture store. 
like Sony Records was right across the street, I remember. And um, I think with us being with this core base of students he had, like the women that have been there for years, right. I think, I don't know if he... Became more normal, maybe? Yeah, in a way, because these were his customers, too. Right. I mean, once he had everyone secluded, right. that might have really changed the his perspective on it, I'm guessing. I think that he went off the deep end to a certain extent because I think that he had, for the things that he was saying in class, you know, like sometimes he would say, we never took him seriously because he would say, I am the best teacher <laughs> in the whole world. Americans are stupid. We in <laughs> India respect our women. I'm like, yeah, less than the cows. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, he said a lot of things that were not true, and you didn't know, you, you couldn't take him seriously. That's the problem. When people took him seriously and put him even in a high pedestal, somebody that was like, you know, some people put in a pedestal people who are really stupid, like, <laughs> You know, <laughs> that they're in power. But, I mean, you can you listen to what these people say, and if you put them in power anyway, which is... It, was, uh, it was always the show. I mean, yeah. he, I read, listening to... We're making reference to this 30 for 30 podcast that's come out um, recently, um, by the way. Um, I'm from ESPN. But when I was listening to this part by part. I mean, it did bring a lot of memories. I mean, I remember there was an afternoon where we had posture clinic with him, and we were lucky because we had him more than... Yeah, the most yeah, people, yeah. Yeah, and let, I do have to say something I, that I remembered. When Bikram taught the class, you did more. You believed you could do more. I mean, it was really an empowering class. When he did what he does well, it... Yeah, I mean, he you was, can he's see. He's very much charismatic. Yeah. He, I mean, he has all the good things, but there was also something that was dis dissonant. How do you say that? Di you know, doesn't take this. But, well, anyway, but I remember this day where we were just chatting, and he's like, who do you think is the most spiritual person in the world? And someone says, Mother Teresa. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> he said, what? She is the biggest bitch in the world. <laughs> Like, who are you? Who would say that about Mother Teresa? Come on. <laughs> and so it's at the Dalai Lama. No, he's the mother freaking money grabbing. Da, 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 da. I mean, it was just this crazy. Who was it? Him. <laughs> you know, it's like, who are you talking about now, buddy? <laughs> right, that's why you could not take him seriously. Now, the, the problem with all these things, all these gurus, all these politicians, whatever, is that people like to follow people that they perceive that are in power, whether on TV. And Bikram was very, very charismatic and was passionate about his yoga. But you know? he also was, I mean, just contradictions everywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, like that's I the best. I mean, because it's like, this is the most fascinating subject in the world, yoga. Five minutes later, oh, yoga is the most boring subject in the world. <laughs> so it's like, how could you take this guy? I mean, just, I think we enjoyed the show. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, there is a time where he was, I mean, if there was a reference in the, the one of the episodes, like, oh, you didn't want to be Miss Blue or Miss Boobs or Miss Yellow. And man, it's true. If he singled you out in class, you were going to just get hounded. 
and there was a woman. Should I tell that story? <laughs> I mean, this actually, this is, I think this is a really good example because there was a woman in our training that was pretty heavy. She was tall. She just was naturally big. She couldn't help it. And posture clinic would only be, I mean, two hours, three hours, not like the six hours they had now, but whatever. And she brought in an inflatable raft <laughs> into the training. A mattress. And yeah, and she'd put it up in the back, and she would pose like Venus or something, <laughs> just rest. And she'd get up and do her, you know, take a turn or whatever, but she'd always go back. And I thought, okay, well, whatever. And so... He didn't say nothing until mm -mm. that night, right? Remember? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so it was... The night before we graduated, he said, I just want to go around the room. Let's, everyone take two minutes. I know your names, basically, but just tell me, I really want to know what you plan to do after this training. And, of course, people started talking, and it, he would ask questions, so two minutes was unrealistic. And this woman, I don't remember her name, but she raised her hand and said, um, you know, I think we should really try to keep the two-minute format, you know, the time, and... And she was behind me, and I remember thinking, I closed my eyes, I'm like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Why? And if you looked at Bikram, you thought, there it is, the turn. And man, it was coming. And he lashed down, like, what? Oh, I'm sorry, are you uncomfortable? Your life should be uncomfortable. Look at you. I mean, you're fat. And it was just, you felt, your heart went out for her, but it's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> well, but, you know, I have to say something that I appreciated Bikram because he here he would say to you, "Listen, you're you're overweight," and she was not just tall; she was overweight, yeah, and she was slow, and she has this laxitude attitude that lackadaisical. Yeah, but yeah. it really was more lazy, yeah. lazydaisical. You know, and so, and she brought African mattress, you know, and so Bikram didn't say anything until she put her foot on her mouth and he said to her, listen, you are fat and lazy, look at you, you know, and in a way, if you want to change, who, you know, yourself into better, sometimes it's good if somebody points at you the shit that you're doing. Oh, we're gonna have to put explicit. Um, <laughs> but the the thing is, is that he would say things that were true. He, I, I and I believe that I, I saw some of his things. He was like, "Here they tell you, honey, honey, don't worry, don't remember." Yeah. And yeah, in in the United States, we are a little bit too pamper, and we are not connected to sometimes effort and discipline. And he, re I, that I think that that really got to him. And in the end, a little bit. And so uh, I appreciated his his approach to the practice. That, that again, we were discussing before this out this recording that he told us, "I'm not your guru. It was you do this practice, you work hard, you'll get better." It's like if you work hard, you'll get better. If you work hard, you can get out of any situation. And so. It was a very, you know, here I didn't want to go to yoga because one time I went to yoga, actually in Atlanta, and I'm not going to even say what place, I mean, you know, they would give you coffee, or not coffee, not the tea, and, <laughs> and talk, you know, whatever, you know, it, they, they made it a, 
pseudo-spiritual thing. They were trying to import spirituality, you know, changing people's names, identity, and all that crap. And Bikram was not doing any of that. He was like, do this yoga, do it every day, do it twice a day, you'll get better. And a lot of people were getting better. Now, when that whole thing turned from uh, 60 people in his studio to 200 people that were oh, Bikram, 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 Bikram. I mean, he, he went off. Well, and as far as the business aspect, things definitely changed because when we went, we had this one-page agreement that we were allowed to use his name for the next three years as a studio. Um, We didn't even have to pay anything. No. Our tuition for training paid for that agreement. We just signed it. It was a a fax thing. Um, and part of it was there wouldn't be a studio that would be 20 year, 20 miles, 20 miles of, apart, of radius. Right. That was our, yeah. Which became unrealistic for places in New York because. No, he can't. I mean. And then it, it was just unrealistic. Yeah. Not only that, Bikram did not keep his word. I yeah. Mean, let's, let me just, <laughs> that was one of the things that the minute that happened, we were like, okay, goodbye. Were you separated in what year? 2006. Something like that. Yeah. By the time that we moved here, we were already behind. There were a couple, um, couple, one, yeah, the, this talk of the franchise was coming, the franchise, and he just, I mean, it was just nonstop. And then we ended up talking to a lawyer, a trademark lawyer, because we had known there were other, my, Ted Grand was my roommate, and he started Moksha Yoga, Modo Yoga in the U.S., and Core Power, and there was another there was another big one. They were all in this primary lawsuit because as they were growing, Bikram didn't like it because they were using, I'm not sure if they, I think their agreement was they had to change the series. And so we were, I mean, I have to say we were pretty, we were loyal to the practice and we were respectful of him and that, really more the practice, I would say. Um, and so there was a little time where it's like, well, we don't want to change it because it's working we know the, the our community in Atlanta likes it, but there's we there was just this the silent classes. Remember, yes. you called us too. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I was getting to. <laughs> there were two things. Go one day, and when there's a on one of the episodes, there's a guy Chad who does the he was doing the equipment and all the building the studios, and he was the um, HVAC guy. There was a time he was in Atlanta. And I forget his connection if he had family here, but he was practicing with us, and I don't know if he had become a teacher yet or what. But I put it together, and I really would love to ask him. I don't know if if he was the one that said, because he said I almost became like a spy. But around that time, we got a call. Christina got the call, right? Beacon called the studio, and um, he said, hey, you have 75-minute classes? You, You have silent classes or something? Do you and you had, had, you had started yeah, those we, classes? We, we, not 75, but we were doing silent classes so him, Jason and I could do our own class with more advanced students. And he said that we couldn't have that. And so we wanted to have those. And we, I thought, I re, what, the way I remember is that we used that as an excuse to say, listen, no. Yeah, there were, well, you said, I think you're, you were like, well, let me talk to Jason. You know? <laughs> so we kind of put it aside. Oh, yeah. And then... Fast forward, I forget how much time left. I get, a, I got a random call from his cousin, 
that the cousin wanted to come see me, see us. He was bringing his wife, and when he got there, he wanted us to call Bikram together. But wait a minute, Jace, this was, this was years <laughs> later. We were already in here. Yeah. Well, oh, you're right. We had already that changed was, our name. We are, that was we, after we changed our name. That was after Bikram actually, he knew we changed our name and he didn't go after us. Well, he didn't know yet. Oh, no. So anyway, okay, to backtrack the story a little bit. So we ended up with the franchise coming. We had talked to a lawyer and he said, you know, you just, you can teach this yoga. You just can't call it Bikram Yoga. You can't use his name to promote your business. Right. That's where you'd get in trouble. And we were like, okay, we'll change the name. You know, and out of respect, we're going to do things. And it's like, okay, that sounds reasonable. Let's not use Bikram the name. And so we had changed. And a couple of our teachers left, too. They were, they were scared. They were going to lose their certification. And um, that's how we ended up having the training. But years later, so here the, here's this cousin that's coming with his wife. And we're supposed to call Bikram. I'm like, Oh my God, because I know he's been suing people. <laughs> he's like cease and desist letters. And I'm thinking, what's going to happen? And I'm imagining this couple, like in the movies, like they come out of this car and she's got a blowing sorry in the wind or something. <laughs> like, oh no. And so I'm waiting for them and they call and, and they're lost. And he, the gentleman, has an Indian accent. So I'm like, no, no, you're close. You're close. You're at North Avenue. Just come around. Phone call again. Jason, I just don't know where we are. And I'm thinking, who is this woman? <laughs> is this the right number? We are so lost. Lost. We just don't know. We don't come to Atlanta much. And I'm thinking, okay, well, who, who is this? And the car pulls up. I meet him outside on the steps. And they're country looking. I mean, <laughs> this picture that I thought, there's no sorry. This woman's from North Georgia. The, Indian guy, the cousin, is looks like a truck driver with a baseball cap and like a t-shirt and just tattoo maybe and just jeans and like, you're his cousin? <laughs> so they come in and he's talking about how he wants to become a teacher and have a business like us and he's like, we're supposed to call Bikram. I'm like, okay. Call Bikram. He's in the middle of training in Vegas. Boss! How are you? I'm good, Bikram. How are you? I've got the biggest trading in the world. You've got to come see me now. 300 people. Come see me in Vegas. Come see. And I'm like, Bikram, Bikram, Bikram. Like, I, you, I have to tell you something. You, you know we changed your name, right? What? You know we changed your name. Like, we know you called. You didn't like we were having the silent 75-minute classes. So out of respect, we don't use your name. We're Be Hot Yoga anymore. What? You're supposed to teach that class word by word, two breathing exercises, 26 I mean, he just railed into me, <laughs> went off. You don't change one word of that dialogue. And, I'm, and this is what he could do. He would flip. And then like, but you know what? Let's not talk about that right now. This guy in front of you, <laughs> he's really not my cousin. It's a friend of my dad's son. I don't know him. I, don't, I know he lives in Georgia. Who do I know in Atlanta? You. <laughs> so I'm thinking you can help him. And I said, well, okay, but <laughs> and I don't think you've seen him. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, oh I'll tell you what, I'll give him classes, but, you know, <laughs> I totally pushed this off. I said, there's a much closer studio to where he lives. He could go to Naomi's in Marietta. <laughs> like, it's quite a drive for him. And 
he said, but, you know, it, it ended. And that was the, we never heard from him again. He wasn't mad at us, whatever. The guy then, he was just trying to get money. And so, but where am I going with this? I, I guess that's a good example of how Bikram could just be one way and so charismatic and lovely and nice. And then you hear this awful stuff that's come out now. And it's just, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. And so, but I think to a testament to us, I mean, and the business, I mean, things were coming out years ago and we had some emails, like it was upsetting. Like they didn't really want us to be associated. And we had to tell, um, her name's Beth, like, look, we've separated. We don't pay him money. We don't want people to go to training. We don't want, you know, we've kind of, we've moved on. And at the end of the day, we both went to that training I did to start a business. And at the end of the day, for all these studio owners that you don't have the guilt, at the end of the day, it's your business. Right. It's your revenue coming in. It's um, your work. Yeah, it's your work. I mean, we really, uh, in the East Coast, we promoted him at the beginning. Everybody knew what Bikram Yoga was because of us. Now, we didn't promote him as a person. We never talked about him. We didn't have a picture of him. We don't have a picture of his guru. We didn't put a podium like he wanted. There was all these things that he wanted people to do. We didn't do one of those things. But we were respectful and we really didn't put him on a pedestal. And if you see through history, because this is not the first time that somebody with power abused their followers, these people have power over their followers. They don't have power over somebody that don't give a damn about them. And so when they perpetrate and they victimize, they actually victimize their followers. You have to be a follower to be victimized. And um, a lot of these people that went there, and fortunately, young people didn't know how to say no, yell, and leave. You know, when I was young, in Argentina, you would get into a bus and there, somebody could touch your ass, you know, they could try to take their penis out of their pants. Sorry about saying this. But, you know, because people there, uh, because in the macho culture, men feel entitled to do those things as funny things. Even a rape is a funny thing. No, no, this is something, this is what the, the underlying thing. And so, I remember a mother of, of one of our friends that she was a doctor, she says, if somebody starts uh, making you uncomfortable, somebody does something to you, touches, starts screaming, kicking, yelling, ask for help immediately, you know. But in a culture where we put celebrities in such a pedestal and we, in a way, we have such insecurities about who we are that we, a lot of people here, get identities by associating with somebody of more power or a guru or something like that. And so many of these girls did not know how to get out of that because there was a psychosis also super around Bikram and that he was being protected by these fanatics, crazy, people around him too. Many of them 
might be still teaching or whatever, but there was this militant thing around this freaking guy who was just a yoga teacher, <laughs> you know? I mean, the whole part <laughs> when I heard, heard on the podcast that you were locked in at night, like you couldn't leave, you were forced to stay there. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's... We didn't have that. We didn't have... We left Hollywood the studio night. at yeah. night. I mean, I, we had an apartment and... Well, you had a hotel. We had a, an apartment in Koreatown, I remember, but it was 20 minutes away. We had the opportunity. We would leave, go have dinner, you know, come back tomorrow. He was again. much more respectful. We yeah. went to his house for yeah. a party, <laughs> and that's when the only time that we watched watch the Hollywood movies. Yeah, the house that Raquel Welch built. <laughs> he said that? <laughs> and that's on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think his greatest legacy will be more people do probably hot yoga in the world than any other yoga. A, a huge percentage of them don't realize they're not even doing hot yoga or Bikram yoga, but they don't even know the source, really. I mean, I had a couple of people just in class in a couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, I do hot yoga. I mean, they, had never, they didn't know the breathing. I said, you know, there are a lot of variations out there, and that will be his legacy in a way, but it'll also be... You know, it's kind of a shame that it's not. They, I don't know what I'm trying to well, say. Well, he kind of ruined it for himself, obviously. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he could have. I mean, he he went, he went on chose a different path, and you know he, you know, because from my perspective, and I don't know him. I've never met him. I've never, you know, I, my take on it is that what he created is amazing, and it does change your life. It really can. And I think people that are attracted to it are attracted to it for that reason. Um, and specifically, our style of yoga, 26-2, with the mirror and no music and the stillness, it's, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah. Um, so many things, like, like anything that evolves. I mean, when you guys opened, there weren't 50 million yoga studios on every corner, right? So you didn't have... Now it's... Um, you know, it's it's really diluted, and and that's good too. And it's just everyone has a choice about what they want to do. I know, bringing when people come into our studio, um, the practice in other places, it's always really very interesting, like dance that you do of how much discipline are you going to impart, because they really are are disasters. A lot of them, sorry, um, <laughs> about the discipline piece because it's not enforced in so many places. You know, one of the things that you guys really created in your in your yin and yang and your balance was that adherence to the practice and the discipline of it. Right, because, yeah, because it's, it is a discipline practice. And fortunately, um, and one of the, the, the big transformations of a discipline practice is to learn the discipline, the sequence. It's, it's very technical to a certain extent. And so when people started doing copycats and stuff like that, they just, they wanted to mix and they took the discipline out of the practice. They, they, they brought the McDonald's into it in the sense of, oh, feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good. And that works, but it doesn't change your life and it doesn't cure your illnesses usually because you're practicing from the same comfortable place that you created that illness, that pain, that back pain. You know, and, and so um, I think that we lost, Bikram lost a lot, and 
but the, the, the basic practice, the very, the, the practice that he brought, which wasn't this super abusive practice, that came, you know, Stephen Henrik said that Bikram was never yelling at people at the very beginning. He was all sweetheart and... No, and more. maybe that should be a, another podcast where I, things, the stories I've heard, I ended up going to India with him and heard some of the late night stories. Those were nice times to hang out with him. Um, because there's some, there's always contradictions with him, mm. you know, did he create it? Nope. Another woman did, or don't, everyone was doing this in Calcutta anyway, but that's going to be a whole nother thing. But uh, the one thing I always remember him saying, I, I forget where we were, but he's like, I will always tell you the truth. Oh, yeah. And this on this slide, he said, but you know, Indian men, we tend to exaggerate a lot. And it was, I will, that just is embedded in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. and it's so true. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, I think that is a very, I mean, the, the subject itself about um, people in power, gurus, and a predatorial behavior and all that, it's, it's been through so many yogas, by the way. Even, I mean, the founder of Pripalu, he was, you know, a Patavi Jovis. I mean, uh, what's the other guy? Younger. I mean, if a... Guru, the, the one of um, <laughs> Kundalini the, Yoga, uh, yeah. Gubi Ganji or whatever. The Wild Country. Uh, no, that's 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 Osho. 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 So if you scratch, there's a lot to sniff. <laughs> 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 and there's this, a lot of these people. So. I mean, but maybe coming back around to this, um, you know, to the students out there, and if you're listening to this and you haven't. You maybe you haven't been in the studio yet, or you you are used to doing another form of yoga. And when you come to our studio, it might seem very like, very strict and mean, but there is a purpose. We don't. It's not to be mean. It, there is there is reasons why we do it like this. I mean, it keeps everyone in sync. Um, I would like it shows you that you have power within. You don't necessarily night not need water or a towel to pull you down or control your breathing that comes within and you just learn to kind of adapt and manage yourself with the heat and you learn to react and you learn if you allow to be taught you learn a lot but if you come with an inflexible attitude well we will still welcome you and give you the class and all that and and i mean you there are Lots of variations of the triangle right. out there in, in the yoga world. We just do one way. And sometimes we give you an option, but please don't be offended or like maybe your studio does it this way all the way. And if you think that's the only one, sorry. <laughs> but when you come to our studio, if you do it, try it our way first, you might like it better. You might feel better. Yeah, I think that that's... Um you know, it's all part of the. It's all part of the process. It's yeah. all part of the. It's all part of the the gig, and I think that people have their own evolutions and their own relationships with it, and how they work, and how they open, and how they adapt. And you know, we're the community that you, the two of you, have created. You know, we've got people that have been practicing there for, you know, the Cheshire Bridge Club. I don't even. I think I counted. There's still almost 20 people that still practice straight through um, 
regularly. Including you. Yeah, including me. <laughs> including <laughs> me. Um, well, even Diana came for not, a bit. Not from Just Our Bridge. Oh, no. No, she started, she's a little over 10 years. Okay. Um, but it's, That's a long time. it's the reason, you know, to just to wrap this thing up, the reason that we continued the business is because of the community that you created. And it's all around those principles. And it is more disciplined, but it isn't without love. You know, it's, it's all for a higher purpose. And um, we're, all of us are so appreciative to the two of you for sure. And just want to thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on this whole thing and, and your insights and your inputs because we really, we really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate it that you took over and what you guys did with the studio now. It's beautiful. And I love those floors. I love them. You know, it's a lot more hygienic. And you guys have a, we were already a little cranky, I think. Well, I was. <laughs> anyway, so I'm glad that you guys brought the, brought the lab back. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for having us, Susie. Well, thank you for being here. We'll do it again. You're welcome. Definitely. Thank you guys for listening.